Welcome back, Rage Nation. So real quick shout out that I want to give people is one of our friends from Charleston, South Carolina, started creating a bunch of tokens and a bunch of widgets and a bunch of other things that people need for their wargaming needs. And he does this with his awesome 3D printer that he decided to pick up. He started an Etsy page. It's called bardingtokens.com. And if you go to that, you can get lots of things for Malifaux. You can get steppers. You can get tokens for you know your corpse uh, drops and schemes. You can also get base identifiers for things like Warhammer Underworlds, D&D identifiers, and lots, lots more. Even creates things like dividers and things that you can put in your foam. So check them out. Really decently priced, and I'd highly recommend it. Just good, solid printing that will definitely help in your tabletop gaming needs. Once again, that's at bardingtokens.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got the AM edition of the podcast because, I don't know, we're all morning people here. We actually got the whole gang back together again. We got Pete here with John the Mountain Man Stokes and Chris the non-tech Asian UN. John, not a morning person, Stokes. <laughs> I told you, man. Grab you some tea and let's go. <laughs> I'm off work. We're not doing anything. I'm sleeping in. Yeah, you got a two-week isolation period. Yeah. People have, yeah. Nothing to, people have nothing to do. They get stuck inside because there's a virus and now they can listen to podcasts. Well, not only that, all seriousness, if everybody's being isolated, there's no reason your models should not be painted. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. Go paint your stuff, folks. <laughs> We're back together again because we finally got some exciting stuff to talk about with Guild Ball. We actually got a new minor guild out. Uh, but before we get into the minor guild, something that you do want to definitely be cautious about is with all this kind of convention season coming up, I would definitely, me personally, I'm not buying any tickets until this whole coronavirus thing kind of either gets figured out or blows over, whatever you want to call it. So I'm actually probably not looking at going to any cons till probably like late summer or early fall, just because, I mean, they're getting canceled pretty, pretty far, you know, out. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really planning on going to anything maybe until like Nova is the one that I'm earliest looking at. When's Nova? It's in September. Oh, I'd look at stuff earlier than that, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I think by the time the summer rolls around, like it should be good. Yeah, we'll see. Because I know they, they canceled, obviously, Depticon got canceled, um, Come On Con got canceled, there's a bunch of stuff. But did you, hear that, did you hear that Did you hear Battle Foam is running a sweet sale during the Adepticon weekend? Are they? Yeah. It's like 25-40% off every, like all their general stuff, and then like I think it's like 10 or 15% off Magarak stuff, and if you buy over 130 bucks worth of stuff it's free shipping which that's the part that really matters because that that is shipping battle foam is a bitch 
Yeah, Battle Foam is usually like what fifty bucks to ship your stuff. Usually, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a so light. Bag. Yeah, but it's super light. Well, you're it's not, not, you're not throwing out anyone's back at <laughs> UPS. So yeah, we're finally back together again, doing some Guild Ball content. John, you've been missing out. We've been putting out some Malifaux and some other content, and you're just like, sure, guys, I have no idea what that is. Go go to town. You guys let me know when you were talking Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, how is that going? Like, is like, I don't know if you'd call that is. Are you growing a community with that? Like, do you have new players you got getting into that game? Yeah, we we have like one new player, which is really big for us up here in Nashville. Um, but we we just like started a push to try to to try to grow it. Started a Facebook page, planning a demo day, um, starting going to start an escalation campaign. So what you're saying is, when I come up there for spring break, if it's not shut down, that I should play some Middle Earth with you. Oh, I mean, what it's going to be open. Something's going to be open. My house, my house will be open with the big game table. There you go. <laughs> All right, but let's get into talking about these shepherds. So, Steamforge finally came out with them. They've been kind of teasing them for a bit. They've had kind of a dry spell because the last thing that came out was that new set of captains. Yeah, it's just it's kind of been like a lull, and it feels like they've been pushing God tier and looking at some of their board games and so it's good to see that they're kind of giving some love to guild ball and just the first thing they teased out were these models and looking at the models it's a pretty cool looking guild like you have the guy riding the huge ram you have the two dogs and you have this adorable little pig and then you got the three humans that are like okay but the animals are really the cool part of this box if you ask me oh the dogs are the best part i know chris loves the the dogs in that guild yeah, those are gonna be those are gonna be my dogs. Yeah, you're you're probably just gonna buy that just because they have dogs in them. Oh no, like I have. If I know many friends are listening to this and they already know this or have heard me talk about it, but I have a border collie and I have an Australian shepherd. So one of those dogs is gonna get the tail snipped, so it has like a bobtail, and <laughs> I'm painting those just like my dogs. And then I'm gonna talk with uh, I don't know somebody about seeing if I can get the cards made to where they say Argos and Ala on it. I say, if you ask Lon, he could probably hook you up with that. He's pretty good at the custom cards. Yeah, maybe I will talk to Lon about that. But that that would just be that would just be fucking cool to have yeah. have my dogs. Like, there's no more perfect models for for me than these ones that are coming out. My yeah. only question with the dogs is, why do they have saddles? Um, let's see here. I guess I got to see some pictures. Is that a is that a herding thing? Do dog herders put saddles on their uh, dogs? I, I don't know about the saddles, but I mean, like, there will be times where I do stuff with my dogs and I put like backpacks and stuff on them, like where they they're carrying their own stuff. So well, I looked at them first. I was like, oh, it's some kind of like vest. The dogs have clothes on or something. But then I looked at them closer and I was like, those look like saddles. Yeah, I'm trying to look at pictures of like dog herding and i don't see any instances where the dogs have stuff on them so i don't know if they put stuff on them just to like couldn't have one fucking model without a belt on it that's what i was saying to have the guild ball belt so it's like you know this is a guild ball model maybe it's maybe maybe they're supposed to be armor armor. yeah i don't don't know know. somebody the pig has armor uh, somebody add us about what what's up with all this uh stuff on the on the dogs. It's like Rob Lightfield designed them all with all these belts and Well maybe it maybe it's so, you know, maybe veteran Captain Greed can ride them. I don't know. Uh, but I mean the dogs don't have armor. They're both like four O models. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It's interesting. God dang you. Whoever designs these models with the belts, knock it off. 
<laughs> That's their signature go-to, Stokes. They got to have the belt buckle. Oh, Jesus. All right, so let's kind of get into this a little bit. So looking at the models, we're going to not go through all the cards. We're just going to give our kind of, in, you know, kind of rundown of what we think about each of what each of the models do. And then we'll look at the guild in a whole and just see kind of how how we envision them running and if they help the farmers out or if they the crossover models help them out from the farmers. So we'll, we'll kind of look at that. But the first thing that kind of comes up when you look at them going in order is the mascot babe. So I think this is one of my favorite mascots that Steamforge has put out in a while. Just the flavor on this is just awesome. You have the character play Ba-Ram Yu, which you get to push an enemy model. Uh, you have Heartless Brute, which when the enemy model inflicts the taken out condition on this model, the enemy model suffers singled out for the remainder of the turn as a loved creature. Because, I mean, who doesn't love Babe? And then finally, he has a pack mentality because, you know, that's what Babe does. <laughs> yeah, you shove Babe in the middle of the freaking game and say, I dare you to hit it. Yeah. I'll take I'll take plus three tack and kill this thing. Yeah, I, I like pack mentality as a rule, just because it it just helps get out of activation movement that can just really help set up some cool like plays throughout the game. So and <laughs> you're just Babe's going to get in the way, and it's just like you have to deal with him, or he's going to cause a ton of problems for you. And he's a planner. He's yeah. a he's a planner, but does he actually? Plan? Oh yeah, he does. With um, yeah. <laughs> droppings, gross. <laughs> he, uh, he's a model you just, that you'll you just, just put the one influence on each turn and just do something with it whether it's the push or the drop yeah, and the minimum you're like oh I'll just you know poop out a harvest marker you yep. need to make your own specific harvest marker with a poop emoji on it for him that uh well you can't use toilet paper because that's not available in stores but you know <laughs> I, I i'm sure you could do some what is what does pig poop look like research yeah yeah, so I like Babe as a mascot. I, yeah, anytime that you have a useful mascot, it's just nice. I hate dead mascots where it's like they're just there. They're not producing anything. They're not helping the game plan out at all. And he has some static abilities that are just nice. So you don't have to put an influence on him, but he does something, which is just awesome in a mascot. Yeah, pack mentality is kind of big for this guild because, like farmers, they're they're easy to hit. Yeah, and that'll help them kind of maneuver around and get where they need to be, get out of the way. So definitely good. Any thoughts, Chris? Anything else you like about Babe the Pig? That's some pig. Yeah, well, I, guess, I guess that's I it. So it. that that'll do, Pig. I feel I feel like that needed to be one of his rules. How many people just know and love that line of "That'll do, Pig." That'll do. <laughs> but getting the next card, we have we have Ram, which Ram is this big honking model, and has a lot of boxes, 24 boxes, 3-0 armor defense, which isn't great, but has impetuous, so he can speed up plus two, plus two, you know, for a solid 7-9 movement. Guard the flock, target-friendly model gains protection, protective instinct. While engaging this model, an enemy model can't declare an attack against any other friendly model. That's definitely helpful. Uh, has battering ram, which is pushing people around. Flock, which is model ends in advance. One other friendly model within the pulse may make a two-inch dodge. And have you any wool? Because you know, he's a black black sheep. Uh, if this model suffers a taken-out condition, friendly models gain plus two armor for the remainder of the turn. And then he has planning season. Once per turn this activation, it may place a harvest marker. So really, 
easy to take out this model. Like even though they have 24 boxes, it's going to die. But actually when you go to kill it, they get certain benefits. So you really have to be careful when you're going in to smack this huge ram because I mean, getting a two inch dodge and then if you do kill it, everybody getting plus two armor, but you do not want to kill this model early. Man, no, you take guard the flock and you put that on babe and run babe at whoever you want to kill, make them kill babe and then you kill them back. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, good synergy there. And I feel a lot of the rules, once again, we said this last time we talked about Guild Ball, but a lot of the rules coming out, they have abilities that are really punishing people for playing this kind of KG, really, I'm going to, you know, just mess you up kind of mentality. Because if you do try to take this model hostage and kill it at the top of the turn, giving the whole, you know, rest of the guild plus two armor is just devastating. Like plus two armor is just so, so bad to be playing against. Yeah. Blacksmith herders. Has a knockdown on one. I know that's Chris's favorite thing to see. Can we talk about how knockdown on one on a two inch reach model is like amazing? Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this thing's just going to run around, push things, and knock it down. Dare you to kill it. Yeah, and the, and the reason why, if people don't know why that two-inch reach early knockdown is really important, because if you engage a one-inch reach, let's just say captain like Filet, and Filet has to move into her one-inch reach to actually you know hit you. You counterattack with the ram, and you knock her down. Well, now you have you can't forfeit your movement, and if you have no momentum, then you can't even do that. So it's just one of those things where it just it can be so bad. Yeah, th this model yeah. is going to be a nightmare for like one inch reach captains. Yeah, one inch reach anybody, and it's just that's one of the best things you can do with a two inch reach model with knockdown on one is just go into those really difficult models and just knock them down before they generate momentum when it's like their first activation and just watch them cry when they waste their influence. I mean, that, and this is, this is a throw models off the pitch kind of model. I mean, that, that battering ram with a four inch push is pretty nasty. Yeah. And looking at some of the cards so far, we haven't seen a lot of damage dealers. I mean, we're just into two cards, but having pushes as an alternate way to get two points is always good. I mean, momentous or two damage on one for me, pretty much all of them, like the farmers. Yeah. It's not momentous, but it's it's there when you need it. It's like, hey, Babe can put out two damage that's momentous. <laughs> yeah, or moment, that momentous push on one, throwing people off the pitch with the pig. All right, so let's talk about the two models that I think a lot of people I know Chris is excited for. We got Hook and Crook. So Hook and Crook are kind of an interesting combination, and you're going to see them working together. They're both really fast models. They're 6-8 movement. Uh, pretty low defense and armor. I mean... I should say moderate defense, low armor. They're 4-0. And each can be given two influence, and they both generate one. So they kind of work together. They're both Reapers, so let's kind of see what they have. So we have come, come by on Hook, which this model make, make a 4-inch dodge away from the friendly Crook. Also has Howl. So if the target enemy model is in possession of the ball, it loses possession of the ball then perform a circular scatter with a template centered on that model. So really good for getting rid of close control, kind of holding the ball type of crap. And then I'm just going to go to Crook's character plays so we can talk about those together. Crook has away from me, which this model may make a four inch dodge away from the friendly hook model. So it's the and same thing Howell, as come by, except in reverse. One's going away from Crook, one's going away from hook. 
which is some cool <laughs> naming on that because of how sheep herding works. Like those, those literally are commands that you'll give a sheep herding dog as far as telling them which direction to go. And so the fact that yeah, they so have the opposite commands for the opposite models, like like it, it, it's just a cool little Easter egg that they they thought through. So just well, I fun. just I have I have a really cool image of one of the shepherds just you know giving those commands like come by crook you know away to me and they yep. just kind of circle around and they go like hit something right yep so really cool imagery on that and I'm trying to think positioning wise how that's because they got to dodge away from each other so I'm trying to think like in game when that's gonna be good in circumstance. I mean, getting out of it, getting getting unengaged. You know, you want to get away from yeah. a model. You set them up so you can dodge them to oh, towards the model you need to get to towards the ball or something. Because I was gonna say, I would. You could do some janky goal runs, but you can only put two influence on them. Sprint and kick. Yeah. Right. All right. So the back of the cards, they are exactly the same except for they're mirrored in names, obviously. So hurting once per turn. This model's activation, it may choose a friendly harvest marker within four and remove it from the pitch. If it does, choose the enemy model within four. The chosen model suffers a three-inch push. Oh, setting them up for Ram to throw them off the pitch. There you go. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to eat this harvest marker, push you three inches, and you don't even need to hit for that. That's just choosing. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're within like eight inches of the, of the edge of the pitch and you end your activation, you're in trouble. Yeah, it, especially if it's early on. Uh, then they have litter mates. If this model suffers taken out condition, hook gains furious and plus four attack for the remainder of the turn. And it's the same for uh, hook. And then match pair. This model and hook are treated as a single squatty during the team selection. While the name friendly model is on the pitch, this model activates simultaneously with it. When this model suffers a taken out condition, the enemy gains one VP instead of two. Yeah. I mean, having two models that are active at the same time, that's always going to create some unique advantages. The litter mates is really interesting too because you're getting the four attacks, so that pushes both of them up to nine, and then they get the free charge, so 13. So for these dogs to give you a 13 attack because you decided to kill one, um, that's going to be a huge pain well, in the ass and i see why they're both only two influence now because they're activating at the same time yeah so it's a two four it's a two four setup yeah which is i mean which is cool because does that mean that you get to since they activate at the same time are you pushing a model six inches during crook and hooks activation is that the way i'm reading that you you Ooh. could but what i'm thinking and now as i'm looking at this what I'm thinking is going to more likely happen, and the way people will use these models is one will go into an opponent, get the ball off of them with Howl, and then yep. go run around and grab it, get it to the other model. They take their, you know, come by or away to me dodge, and then they go score. That'd be cool too. Like, so, so I, I, I imagine that you're talking about the dogs you know, running back and forth. And so, and then that would make sense, right? Because you have the one that's closer to the enemy models that is getting the ball. And then that's why it's a dodge away because you're going to dodge them up toward the goal. Yeah. 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 That's really cool interactions you can have with these two because you can either use it to set up a model to bring into your team. You can use it to howl, get the ball off and then 
and then also go to get the ball. And also you notice howls on the, on the playbook and it's a target model within six inches. So you can actually hit an easy model and howl the ball off of a model that just is a pain in the butt to get the ball off of. So if you have like a five Oh model in cover, you can just be like, Oh, I'm going to attack, you know, I don't know. Let's just throw Wendell out there. I'm going to attack Wendell and I'm going to hit Howl really easily. And now I'm going to dodge and go get the ball and bring it back to my team. And the fact that that's on two and you get a push out of it is a big deal because on a five tack, they're going to be able to get to two often. On a lot of models. Yeah. Yeah. They actually, oh man, are you seeing the end, the end of the playbook? They actually do. They do two damage on one, but then they also have three and four when you really kind of get in there. Well, I, and you're you're looking at being able to wrap pretty deep too if you're talking about the littermates. Littermates, if you have Babe kind of you know pushing up your attack, like John was saying. Yeah, there there are going to be they're going these models are going to be a problem. Like yeah. you're going to feel bad when you have to you know attack these dogs, but it, it has to happen because they have some really cool tricks they have. There's just not a lot of damage throughout the rest of the guild, though. So, I mean, if you're killing things by doing damage, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think you want to be a little... There are things you can take out, but for sure, the pushes off the board and goals are kind of where I think this uh, team's going to want to live. All right, it looks like a... I mean, so far, it looks like a 2-2 kind of team to me. Yeah. All right, so we got the dogs. Really solid models. I really like what they did. And then we have this... Uh, yeah, we have this guy named Lamb. A two-inch reach model again, so if you're keeping track, that's two two-inch reach models. Uh, pretty quick, 3-0 model, can get three influence. He's a planner. He has a guild ball result on one, and if you look at his character plays, those are all guild balls. So he can do any of his character plays from just buying attacks, which is awesome. Right, uh, this is this is what we what we needed looking so far, because we, we needed to put the freaking harvest markers out, and he can put them yeah. all out. Yeah, because, you know, Babe was just pooping him out, so. Right, but that cost uh, but, one, so. But he has warming oven, so he can heal model, or sorry, model recovers four hit points. That's only once per turn, though, so that can get you out of somebody dying at that spot. Uh, he also has sow the seed, so he, that's the same thing that uh, Harrow has. And then weak point, so minus one armor, so that can help you with some of those harder matchups. He is a planning master, so it can plant two friendly harvest markers and then, and then dies, holy shit <laughs> yeah yeah if he's taken out he may place up to five friendly harvest markers anywhere on the pitch so you go to kill him because you're like all right i'm gonna neuter this guild so they can't put out any harvest markers and then you kill this guy and it's like i'm gonna place five harvest markers anywhere not even just within like a radius it's just anywhere on the pitch you feel like it he's making it rain he's making it rain harvest markers Right, so he's just there to place plant harvest markers and heal you. That's it. That's all yep. he does. Yep. And he can heal himself too. So if you go in and you're trying to kill him, he can do a counterattack and heal himself four in the middle of the attack, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So I think he's a good, you know, little little tool piece for the for the guild. I actually, <laughs> I like him better than Harrow, actually. <laughs> the new Harrow kind of man. And he is one of the crossover models, so he can play for farmers. That's uh, gross. <laughs> mm, that'll be a pain in the ass, yeah. Yeah. I love him in my KG Grange uh, lineup. Well, Just yeah. I, Grange and heal people. Put out harvest yeah. markers. Heal people and throwing it down. Yep, so he's solid. I definitely like him as well. All right, next on the block, we have Shearer. 
And guess what? Shear is also two-inch reach. And and the other crossover model. So, John, what do you see? What do you like about Shear? Um, he, here's your striker. You want to put the ball in the net. Another way to get the ball and get around close control with ball is gone. Um, Always good. Two-inch melee tackle on one. That's uh, that's pretty good. Um, he's, yeah, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I always forget about balls gone. I have I have the ball like tucked away pretty good, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in, they're like balls gone. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, man, it's ah oh, so bad. Yeah, I mean he's pretty much got where'd they go for free, but or for for a harvest marker for a four inch dodge with that. Yeah, pulls up harvest marker four inch dodge eight inch move. He's a four set four seven kick because football legend. Oh, he is a football legend. Yeah, pretty pretty damn good striker. Yeah. Well, he's all about the game, too. So if he gets taken out, then your team gets plus one, plus one kick for the remainder of the turn. He's a striker, but he has two damage on two, and that's pretty good. On tack five, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty dirty. His tackle's on one, which is always good. A tackle on one with a two-inch reach model is really good. And if you can get there, that tackle double dodge on five is good on a charge, but you probably won't get there most times. I mean, I still haven't played Festival, so I don't know how people are playing her in Farmers, but a Thresher scoring long-reach lineup with him, I love it. Well, he's definitely a better... St- I feel like he's a better striker than Shear or Shear than um, Festival, for sure. Oh, Festival. No, no, no. What's the, what's the new one? Amber. That's the one I was Amber. thinking of. Oh, yeah. Well, I still don't like Amber, but Amber is Amber is one of the playdown models if you want to go... <laughs> Imagine Shear. Shear with friggin' line dancing. No, sorry. Bushel's a playdown model. Yeah. So you, you can take Shear and Bushel and have a, you know, really fast scoring kind of lineup. Which... Yeah. Yeah, that's really solid. I like him as a striker for sure. Yeah, so you just got to look and see what, what does the captain do to set him up. All right. So we got the El Capitan. We got the Herder. Hey, and it's another two-inch reach model. I mean, it's, it's very flavorful because, you know, you'd figure that, Shepherds would have these two-inch reach implements to help, you know, hook hook the animals and you know poke them around and stuff, and you know it makes sense. But it's like, man, that's a that's good when you're almost your whole team is two-inch reach. Two-inch reach. She is a reaper, so she's going to be doing stuff. And if you look at her playbook, her playbook is really busy. She's tax seven, yeah. and she has a three-eight kick. So looks like she might be leaning a little more towards striking. Plus, she's a six-nine movement. So, I mean, eight inches and eleven-inch threat seems pretty good to me. Just off it, she has on my mark, which on my mark is one of my favorite character plays. If you have played Blackheart, because you can just set up so many janky six-point activations with that. It's just it's a lot of fun. Uh, she only brings three influence, but she can get six. She has. A good amount of damage on her playbook. She has two on one, like most farmers. Uh, she also has four on the top end, which I don't know how often you're going to get there, but it's good. No. But, but like I said, on my mark, you, on my mark, you can trigger on the playbook. So she has a push dodge on three with on my mark. And if you haven't seen on my mark used, it's really good because you can. Let's just say it's the top of two, and you're kind of setting up. You're in a scrum. One of your other models has the ball. You can kill a model with her on that kill, especially if you hit the two on my mar- guild ball on my mark, you can kill the model, have that model kick the ball to you, dodge four inches off that and go score a goal. Really, really creative ways to get six point activations out of that when your captain has it. 
Okay, but her, her character traits, she also has protect the ball. Once per turn, this model's activation, it may choose a friendly harvest marker within two. Remove it. If it does, all friendly models within the pulse gain close control for the remainder of the turn. Mm, good. That's, that's cool. The next one's better, though. Yeah, sheep become shepherds. If this model suffers taken out condition during the activation phase, friendly models are allocated influence up to their max influence. You, you will not hold this captain hostage and kill them at the beginning of the next turn. Yeah. That, gonna... sound, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the that is the rule that says, that prevents what I mean what the whole you know holding them hostage thing. Oh yeah, I'll just leave them on one hit point and kill them top of them. Yeah, because the it's you're just like I'm going to give my captain six influence because you're not going to kill her. If you do, it's going to be terrible for you. Right, so you just load them back up with six influence and say kill them now while you got the yeah. chance where they're going to go. That's awesome. Yep. So, and then finally, the legendary play is rest up. So choose another friendly model within four inches. The friendly model suffers the taken out condition. The enemy team does not gain VP from this takeout. Holy cow. Here I was thinking that all these, oh, you get to, you know, not take out the models that you don't want to take out. Well, she chooses. She's like, hey, you go take a seat and you get the benefit of their whole when they die thing. And they don't even get VPs for it. It's that's so good. Yeah, that's that's yeah. probably one of my favorite things about her. Yeah, the, well, the the difficult part is it prevents them from taking almost any of the models hostages because because all of them have certain abilities that if they get taken out, it triggers a benefit for the rest of the team. So if we take Ram for instance, you cut through most of those twenty four boxes, and then. Uh, she activates and says, okay, well, Ram's taken out. So now you went through all the work of cutting through those boxes to not get any VP for it. And Ram triggers all of the taken out condition benefit, the two armor for the rest of his team. She's like, have you any wool? Yes, sir. Two armor, everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, man, I kind of wonder about that ability, like how that would, how that would work. I, 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 I almost wonder if that legendary play would need to be changed to where it doesn't. Maybe you could choose choose whether or not you give up the VP or whether or not the friendly models get their taken out benefits. Because uh, this seems really powerful for you to be able to just be like, oh, here's a model that's ready to die. Let's just take this model off the board to prevent you from scoring. And I will also take benefits by my choice. Yeah, but I I think it's you're right. It is powerful, but one, it is a legendary play, so you only get to do it once, which is I think fair. And then the second thing is you really have to you're you can prevent this, right? You can set it up where you know that it's going to be more than where she can get to, but she is quick, so that's not going to be likely. But the thing is, the herder, the shepherd player, also has to make sure that they pick the right one to take out because it's one of those things where you almost want to spread out your damage. That way it's hard for her to choose which one she wants to prevent. And a lot of times you can force the hand of the player and I I don't know, it's good. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it. But looking at it, I'm just kind of like, well, it's good, but it only happens once. So I'm okay with it. And I think that's the way a legendary play should be, right? It should be really good. 
I just know Chris is frustrated because he wants to kill stuff and he hates it when his kills are taken from him. Yeah, I think that what's going to happen with this, this is a team that's really designed to have very smooth counters to a team that wants to kill models. Because if you're trying to kill models, you're going to feel like, man, now I'm playing against a team that has even more abilities. And there are times where you're you're going to strategically choose to use that legendary play and keep somebody from scoring VP. Like there, there's yeah. going to be some moment where somebody's like, I need to get a kill here or I need to get four points or whatever. And you're expecting to get, you know, two kills and she's going to take away the VP from one of them. And you're going to say, shit, like how, how do I get, how do I get this other kill? Like this was supposed to be what I did to end the game. Yeah. Ooh. And I, I think, I think that's important though, just because they are, pretty easy to kill they have a lot of boxes like farmers but i mean you can burn through that pretty quick because no one's gonna kill she doesn't have to manage that many because people aren't going to be likely to kill hook and crook in one shot because they naturally kind of play away from each other you know like like having them spaced out a little bit is going to be to the advantage they don't have a lot of abilities that or any abilities that require them to be next to each other so you might as well spread them out over the board and threaten multiple areas and so the ones that you're worried about killing the ones that that actually help you are you know the other four models like you're you're obviously not targeting the mascot a lot and so she's going to yeah she's going to be able to take away take away a kill and that's going to just be very frustrating but there's some interesting combos you can do with that legendary play for sure. It can be big reposition, just switching sides of the pitch or something, you know, like, Oh, yeah. I need, I need to be on the right side. My whole freaking scrums over here on the left side. Or, you know, there's a bad scatter. You're on the opponent's half of the pitch. There's a bad scatter. And now the ball is back by your goal. You yeah. can remove one of your models to go scoop it up before they have a chance to go get a goal. So I really like her card a lot. Her card is really solid. So overall impressions, how do you guys see this? Well, hold on, be- sorry, before we get into that, we got the crossover models. So Stokes, who did you say the crossover models were? Bushel and Vet Honor. Okay, which are kind of interesting choices. So Bushel's obviously a striker. Yeah, some more, so jank, she- some more jank like Herder with the pass out of activation passes and stuff. Yeah, I'm open, it's always cute. Uh, she has... Good movement on her card. Uh, she has cabbage punt, which is always fun. And, and then, then vet honor. How do you feel with her kind of fitting in? Um, just another way to put harvest markers out to me because I, I still have never played vet honor. I think she's not. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually looking at vet honor's card, and I was like, I don't see. Normally, they they set it up to where now these models that aren't really getting played or whatever can cross over, and they're very playable. But I don't see what how they're doing that with her. Like I don't, I don't get what the huge advantage will be. I mean, the only thing I see is is you know being able to move harvest markers around because this this is a much faster, more mobile team than farmers. So getting being able to put and, your and she's not, <laughs> she's not, but uh, but trying to get your harvest markers where you need them because your team's all over the place with the dodges and stuff. So that and the only other reason I would bring honor is into a matchup pick where you're playing against a team that has a lot of conditions because you could put cocksure on people. Yeah. So that's the only time I would probably bring her is just when I know that 
maybe there's a lot of knockdowns on that team or maybe I'm playing against Alchemist. So that's the only time I think I would bring her is just when there's that conditions that I want to try to manage. I think I just like straight box six though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that six, it looks really fun and pretty And that's where I want to go with this pretty strong. So how, how do you see this minor guild fitting in with the meta? Usually minor guilds kind of have a tough time. The only minor guild that is pretty successful right now is the miners. So yeah, I don't do know. you see this being settling in towards the top or are they going to be in with the other minor guilds and kind of just be in the bottom middle? No, I, I, I think that the, I think that this will be a strong team. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, an auto win type team or anything like that. I don't think it's a broken team, but I think it'll be strong. So between let's kind of compare this to when minor guilds are released. So the top end being miners, because miners were so strong when they oh, came geez. out and the, yeah. and the bottom end being cooks, because cooks were really struggling when they came out. <laughs> no. Well, there were other ones that more, were even worse, right? Like the, uh, I think, I think the cooks were probably the worst actually. They were well, percentage wise. They were terrible. They were, well, were yeah, like but that was kind of weird rate? because they were designed they were for another. Team. Yeah. Like, so, but there were ones like uh, the rat catchers that really sucked for a long time. You shut your mouth. <laughs> the rat catchers are awesome. Or or, were, or the were, falconers. And I, and I love the falconers, but they sucked for a long time too. The, neither of them's wood weight was that low. Yeah. Which, which end do you guys think this is kind of closer to is what I'm asking? I think it's, I think, I, I think it's closer to top. Okay. I, yeah. I think they're right up middle of the road team because they're, Teams that can can hide the ball and, and kill quickly will, will do well against them, but I don't know if if you want to get in a scoring game with them, that's a they'll be okay. I think they'll be a middle of the road team. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think Stokes, you kind of hit it on the head where this is probably going to be a two-two team. You know, get some easy pushes while you're kind of scrapping for the ball, spreading out, hurting people where you want them to be, and it, it's going to be a fun guild. I think. I think when you first pick it up, it's going to be tough to play well just because there's so much synergy and little tricks that you want to learn. But I think once you start getting reps in with this, you're probably going to see yourself winning a lot more games than you're losing with them just right. because of how, how they kind of work. I mean, they definitely can score three goals. I mean, with the dogs and harder, I mean, throwing Bushel in there and Shearer, you can definitely score three goals. Yeah. Yeah, they just have really the answers that they have to things are just kind of interesting right because they if you play to the center and you want to just take everything out they've obviously got resources that will respond to that but if you want to skirt around the edges and maybe you're more of a goal scoring team or you're you're trying to just spread out as well they can throw you off the board so they're they just kind of present some solutions that others don't have. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. They do have a lot of answers to, I'd say the meta, just the way that guild ball is traditionally played where it's a tight game and you try to create problems for your opponent. And I think this guild does a very good job answering those questions. And anytime you have a guild that does that, it makes the game more interesting because you can't play your traditional style. It's the same thing. Like, when you try to kill the ball and you're playing against miners, miners are one of those guilds where it is very hard for you to put the ball somewhere where the miners cannot get to it. And I feel like the shepherds are kind of in the same realm where it's like, Oh, you're hiding in cover. 
let me use hook to go ahead and push you out of cover. And now I'm going to attack you. And then the ball scattering. And now this is happening and lots of really creative things you can do with this guild. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited. I, I'm going to get them right. I, like I, I was going to get them if only for the dogs. So I'll, I'll have these guys. I'll play them for sure. What about you, John? These guys have you excited to add to your, uh, your farmers there? Uh, yeah, just cause I've been playing farmers pretty much recently. They'll maybe get them. I got to sell some other teams to get these teams. Yeah. So that kind of brings me into the next point where if you have been paying attention onto Facebook market, eBay, a lot of guild ball stuff is popping up there. And it's because there is kind of been a lull. There's been a lot of negativity in the community as far as, you know, support from Steamforged and, you is this a game that's getting killed off? Are they more focused on God tier? Are they more focused on their board games? And I'm hoping this really kind of shows that they're still putting good resources into their game development for Guild Ball because this guild is actually developed really well. And if they can continue with this and like keep this as the momentum to keep pushing forward with the game, I think it's going to be really solid. Uh, I'm just hoping that they continue on with that. But on the other end, if they don't and they just kind of let this one ride, I think it's going to be in the same down downtick that we've been seeing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We were, like I said, we were just talking about, I was talking with my guy up here about what can they do to revive this game. I mean, I think they really have to show that they are putting effort into the game. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I love Guild Ball. Uh, uh, most people listening know that I got Pete into Guild Ball. I will always have Guild Ball stuff. I will always like be excited yeah. to play Guild Ball. But I would have absolutely no problem if they say, hey, we're going to put out the things that we've planned on putting out. We're going to get this game to this point. We're going to errata it, rebalance it, make sure that it's in a good spot. And then we're going to move forward because we want to do other games and we want to focus on other things. And there's more profitable things out there. Like I, I would have no problem with this becoming a legacy game. Yeah. And I wouldn't have a problem with that too. I just would want some transparency with that and just well, be like, yeah, hey, but, that- but what are they, what are they supposed to say? Right? Like, Oh yeah. I get excited about this for two more releases and one errata. And then just know that we're not going to, be supporting this game anymore like like how are they supposed to phrase that without a whole bunch of naysayers you know i mean there there is a lot going to be a lot of that it was the same thing that games workshop had to go through when they stopped supporting blood bowl and they stopped supporting uh battlefleet gothic and all their like you know secondary and tertiary games wait is battlefleet gothic the one where i'm able to take a ship and do melee with it no that was (laughs) that was dreadfleet that was board (laughs) game that was fun though no, Battlefleet Gothic is the futuristic spaceship battling that they had for their 40K system. And it was a fun game, but they stopped supporting it. Uh, and the same thing with their Epic Minis. And people get mad, but they're just it's the same thing that I think Steamforge is going through where Games Workshop had to look at it and they said, listen, guys, we're not making money on this. And it is a business. We're not here just to you know donate our models and time to you guys. It's like here we'll have the rules still up online for you. You can get the models from you know eBay or whoever else is selling them. They still had some old stock, but once the old stock ran out, then they they didn't have that anymore. So that'd be a decision Steamforge would have to make on whether are we still going to produce the models or once we have X models out, that's it. 
So that's a decision they would have to make. But there's plenty of game companies that do that where they're just like, we're going to run it through. This is it. Here's the rules and you guys run with it. And I, I think Steamforge would still keep the models available. But like you said, Chris, I could see. And honestly, I'm okay with that though, because it's like, how many, how many models do you want to be on a team, right? How many models is it until it's like, or, okay, or well, in, a game in general, yeah. It's it's one of those things where take a look at Blood Bowl for instance, right? Blood Bowl is a really good example. I've never played Blood Bowl, but I understand what it is, and I have friends that have it, and all of that kind of stuff. So, what did you expect them to do for twenty years? Keep releasing more and more teams. Like it's almost worked out better, where like now people are able to kind of own this game as players and every so often you'll see kickstarters get put up with a unique theme of models that clearly are meant for blood bowl even though they're not saying that because of the intellectual properties and stuff i I would love to see stuff like that um happen with this game uh not necessarily people developing their own teams and all that but just the idea of it's a game that We've put together exactly what we want to put together. We've made it a good game in and of itself, and we're not going to keep trying to push it beyond what it can grow to be. Yeah, so I think what they need to do at least, and this is something I hope they have planned out for at least the next year and a half, two years, is they need to finish the minor guilds and then get everybody that third captain. And then at that point, if they want to be like, okay, that's that's it. That's, that's what we're doing. I think that would be a good time to... Just be like, it's a it's a game now. Here's the rules. We'll, you know, here's it kind of balanced out. And the models are still available to buy. And there it is. Well, and they, there are little things that they can do that will be able to keep it going with minimal effort. And yeah. it, w- without it feeling like it's expanding like crazy. So, for example, giving each minor guild a second captain... That's something that you you could absolutely do. That's very reasonable, right? Changing an errata, you know, in the months to come. Like, this isn't a game that... And this is what kind of bums me out about seeing people fire sale their stuff online. Is I'm like, this is a game that we're going to get more stuff for a year plus. Like, there is more stuff to come, for sure. But... You know, so don't 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 quit on it. I can understand if like you're expanding and you want to play other games as well, but like I would at least, you know, hold on to your favorite guild for sure and and oh, yeah. you know, that way you at least have some some cool stuff to where if you ever want to break it out and play it, that that would be great. Well, I wouldn't I mean, cuz not gonna lie. I mean, there's a couple ones that I put up cuz I'm just like, "Well, I know it. I'm not playing this guild anymore. I'm going to hold on to like, you know, the brew crew. I'm going to hold on to this other guild." And the other ones, I was like, okay, I'm going to sell. But honestly, if you're looking to sell right now, it's not going to happen. I think unless you're selling for like pennies, I, I see some people selling their guilds for 50 bucks. And I'm like, you're not, that guild is not worth that low amount of money. It's like, you just, it's more, it's worth it to just hold on to it, let this ride out. And then, I mean, honestly, I've, I've thought about going the other way on this. Like, and as people are selling their stuff for pennies on the dollar, like go get every guild, right? Because I can, I can go get every guild when somebody lists something up for a crazy price, I can go get every guild for, you know, what it would cost to buy one guild. Well, it's a buyer's market right now. Yeah, it's definitely a buyer's market. So, 
uh, I would encourage people to to stay in it. Let you know, especially if you have people that enjoy it. If if yeah. you have if you have other people in your meta that are willing to give you a game, stay in it. Get through all this stuff. The worst case scenario is it becomes a legacy game, right? And and it's not a game that would be terrible that way. And there are multiple companies that have to ask. Uh, the other one that we've talked about in the past is what's going to happen with uh, War Machine and Hordes with this new Warcaster game coming out. Like, I mean, War Machines and Hordes has grown into a crazy monster. And I think that a lot of people are sensing the same refocusing with Warcaster and just like they are with God Tier. Yeah, and, and God Tier is a it's a fun game. It's I've seen it played and I've read through the rule book that I got from you, Chris, and, and it seems like a fun game. It's 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 competitive enough where there's people holding tournaments and I've seen a lot of people posting on Twitter about, you know, their tournament results and people are really having fun with it. And a lot of people's guild ball nights are kind of turning into God tier, you know, nights. And that and that's fine because as we're going to talk about in our next episode, when we have a guest on, we're going to talk about this kind of golden age of gaming and how do you pick a game and how do companies got to balance between, you know, their rule sets and what their goal is, because there are a ton of tabletop games out right now that are competing for everybody's attention. So it's it's something that just happens and and guild ball is kind of not being played as much anymore but that doesn't mean you don't play i mean obviously there's not this huge competitive tournament scene in the southeast or even really on the east coast that much anymore but i think there's still plenty of people who are like hey you want to get a random game of guild ball in and it's like sure it's still fun it's still a great system yeah, and, and so the guys that are in our local area, I know that it on any given weekend, as long as we line up the weekends where people don't, you know, have their kids or they're, they're, they don't have some other commitment, um, I know that we could line it up and we could have a Guild Bowl tournament at any given time. And, and yeah, that's have at problem. least like six guys would show up. Yeah, so so it's a good reason to encourage your friends to like, not fire sale all their stuff off, keep something. So at least like you can get a fun game in. And the worst case scenario is, Hey, I haven't looked at these erratas in a while. Oh, here's something new. They changed this or that. And now you get to, you know, kind of have a refreshing experience with, you know, some adjustments because you haven't broken those models out in three months or whatever. And I think that this is a really good place for a game, especially for people like, like our buddy Joe, right? Where Joe has, he's, he's never been somebody that's like cleaning up at tournaments, but he enjoys playing games and he's played for a while. So he knows what he's doing, but having a game like this be more casual would actually be a good thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and I know a lot of competitive players poo poo on the, you know, casual scene, but that is the majority of players. Majority of people just want to go down the store play whatever game and just have a good time. They're not looking, you know, to just power game the crap out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, just hold, I, like I said, I know it's tough because you're just like, ah, oh, well, I can sell this nerd stuff to get that other nerd stuff. But like, like Chris is saying, just hold on to something, hold on to your favorite stuff because it'll, it'll come back around. And even if it doesn't, there's always going to be people that have a couple of teams that you could be like, hey, you play Guild Ball? Do you want to play sometime? So it, it's just good to have. What about your thoughts, John? Yeah, you guys hit it. Or hit it on the head. 
All right. Good job. <laughs> I mean, because that's honestly what I hear a lot is I hear people being like, it needs to kind of be rebalanced a little bit. There's there's some kind of there's some powerful stuff that needs to be retooled here. Well, that is coming. But yeah, John, you have to keep two guilds so that you can uh, practice oh, at home. all right well like i said be on the lookout for uh the new episode that we're going to record after this one where we're going to talk about kind of just gaming in general with a guest that we'll reveal later and secret guest secret secret guest that's cool i don't even i don't even know what the fuck you're talking about so cool (laughs) don't don't worry john it doesn't involve you Oh, thanks for the invite. Fuck wow. you guys. Wow. <laughs> invite lost in the mail. <laughs> uh, rescinded. Not even given. <laughs> oh, God. I can't, I can't wait to go up to Asheville and game with you, Stokes. It's just been, it's been too long. Oh, well, your invite got rescinded. Damn it. <laughs> hey, you know what, how you can get him back, Stokes? You just uh, teach Ty how to blind him with a fly fishing rod. <laughs> <laughs> Just whipping that thing back and forth. You better not. (laughs) I just saw. I just lost an eye. All right, everyone. Roll dice. Throw salt. We'll see you next time.